guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Uh, man, it's just going to be me today. And I, I just have an encouraging word for those who might be doubting God in this season. Uh, maybe maybe you, you might be asking God to do a miracle in your life or a family member's life. Uh, and just, just might be wrestling with the idea of, of believing God at what he said and what he's capable of doing. And uh, I just want to encourage you to, to don't lose heart, don't lose faith. Um, and the title of this podcast is Dare to Believe God. And the reason why is because as we look through the history of the word, we see, we, we notice that there are many people who are scared, just like us, who doubt, just like us, who, you know, who, yeah, who are just fearful. They don't know what's going to happen. But trusting God is a scary thing. And I want to start at that, at that level right there. Um, trusting God can be a scary thing. And so I just want to thank the Lord real quick. Uh, thank you, God, so much for, for this episode. I pray that you speak mightily uh, through my lips and my heart, Lord, the words that you have for those listening. God, I pray it encourages them and equips them to have a steadfast faith in you, an unwavering faith in you, Lord, um, and not, not a double-minded mind. Or, or one that, that doubts that doubts you, God, uh, but one that trusts you at your word. In Jesus' name, I pray this blesses everyone who listens to it. Um, so yes, back to the title, Daring, Dare to Believe God. Um, as I was reading the word, man, it, 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 I was reminded at how at how scary it can be to believe God um, and what is it what is it that keeps us from believing God doubt doubt and unbelief and if we take a look back in Genesis we can see where the serpent got Eve to question God's word. And that was that was that was that was the sneaky part of the serpent during that time. He just wanted you to question. And doubt is doubt is it it's used to get you in a place of unbelief and not have confidence in a truth or the truth. Another definition would mean uh, would be to get you in a place of uncertainty, you know, to to lack confidence in someone's ability, your ability to perform or do a task, um, whatever the case may be. Like, I doubt that chair can hold your weight, um, but maybe it can or can't. Um, but this is in regards to truth. So again, 
Doubt is the main thing and unbelief that gets us in a place of not trusting God. Um, but what are some common reasons why we doubt? Um, and I took a look online. And if you'd like, you can get online with me. Um, honestly, I just Googled in some some common reasons why we might doubt. And five of those reasons from uh, an article from the Life Hack written by Anna Chui. I believe that's how you pronounce her name. Um, but five reasons. I'm going to give you five reasons. Past experiences and mistakes. Childhood upbringing, comparison with others, new challenges, and fear of failure. Those are five very common things that can get us in a place of doubt. So let's take a look at the word. I'm sure we all can recall some past experiences and mistakes that we've might have made, um, you know, that, that can get us in a place of doubt um, experiences is one of the biggest things. Like I've, I've prayed for that person and they didn't get healed. So I'm not going to pray for them again because we look at that experience as something as truth. That experience dictates what I believe. But God doesn't want us in that place. He, if his word is true, we, we want to continue hammering and believing and resting in that truth and having faith in that truth despite our circumstances and despite our experiences. So let's take a look at the story of Peter real quick, um, how the Lord actually deals with with our doubt, um, you know, from our past experiences and mistakes. So if you take a look at the story of Peter uh, we're going to take a look at John 21 in the NASB. And we're going to go straight down um, to, when, to when Jesus talks to Peter specifically. Now, if you recall, Peter, Peter dared to believe God. And one of the main... One of the main stories that we hear of Peter daring to believe God is when he asked Jesus, you know, if you are the Lord, call me out to you. And paraphrasing, and Jesus, all he says is, come. And what does Peter do? He steps out of the boat looks at Jesus, his gaze is fixed on Jesus and starts walking on water. All because Jesus said, come. Defied the laws of physics and gravity at the very word of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And this is an instance where he dared to believe God. We're not talking about where he sank but where he dared to believe him. So we see we see how his faith 
he can have confidence in his faith because he trusted Jesus at his word. He saw results. Um, and that, that does something to our faith. It starts to solidify our faith. We start standing on the truth. Oh, well, I saw God do this one time. So let me believe him for this because first of all, his word says it. And second of all, he did it before. So let me believe this. Um, so Peter, we all know, he denied Jesus three times, right? He denied him three times and the rooster crowed and Jesus predicted it. Not only that, Peter Peter cussed. He cussed during that time, you know, pretty much just saying, I do not know Jesus. I, I, I don't know him. So our doubt, our doubt can cause us to get in a place of, you know, of shame, not believing that we're a good Christian um, or that we believe God. And we start looking down at our unbelief and our, and our doubt and we're unworthy. But take a look at what Jesus does here in John 21. He restores Peter in such a gentle way. So after he's crucified, he comes back to the disciples and they catch a bunch of fish. Kind of kind of one of the 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 first time he met Jesus, I I assume, you know, P Peter Peter was fishing. And look and behold, Peter is Peter and the crew they're fishing again and Jesus comes and visits them. And they catch a bunch of fish. But he gets Peter, says, come and have breakfast with me. And he said, this is John 21, 15. Now, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him again, a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And so you see Jesus right here restoring Peter for the time that he denied him. The time that he might have been feeling so much shame for his doubt, so much shame for 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 disowning Jesus, but here is Jesus again restoring and redeeming Peter without even bringing up the denial, without bringing up all the times that he's failed. He just restores him. And so if you're in that place right now of maybe you, you've cursed God because you haven't seen a move in your life or maybe you, you were ashamed at, uh, you know, being a Christian because you're not cool amongst your friend group or family, you're disowned. 
Um, I just want to encourage you, Jesus isn't looking down at you right now because that he wants to restore you. He wants to spend time with you. Uh, so this is how Christ, the, this is how the Lord restores us um, from our past experiences and mistakes. Um, now, we were talking about doubt. Past experiences and mistakes, you know, can get us to doubt um, what we deem, what 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 God can can do and what He can't do based on yeah again our past experiences and mistakes. Now, two, childhood upbringing. And this is the reality that shaped and ingrained us for X amount of years. Um, and a story that I want to bring up is the rich young ruler. Um, the, itch, the rich young ruler, you know, he, he did everything that he was supposed to do. Um, and with that being said, he comes to Jesus and, um, I'm going to look it up real quick right now. But he, he, he asked Jesus, you know, good teacher, what shall I do so that I may inherit eternal life? And this is Mark 10, 17. And Jesus, you know, he says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. God knows his hearts. God knows what he knows. Um, he knows that he's trying to test him. But he tells him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth. Looking at him, Jesus showed love to him and said to him, One thing you lack, go and sell all your possessions, all you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come, follow me. But he was deeply dismayed by these words, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. I'm going to stop there. So the rich young ruler lived a life of obedience to God, obedience to the law. But catch this. His childhood upbringing got him to believe that what he owned and what he possessed was greater than following Jesus, than giving to the poor, than even... As Jesus said, having treasure in heaven. Having treasure in heaven. And so oftentimes, we can, we can get in that same place of, of maybe, maybe it's not, you know, riches or anything like that. But it's something that tells us, you know, this is better than believing God or hold, holding on to something um then daring to believe God stepping out and maybe giving it away giving away something that the Lord has placed on your heart no I can't give that away this is the best thing 
that has ever happened to me. And for me, that would be like my kayak or my car. Um, I love everything about them. Fishing rods, you know, like I love them. Um, and I'm just saying, I'm just saying, these are some treasures of mine that I, I dearly appreciate. And if you can think about those treasures that you might deeply appreciate that, oh, I don't know if I'll ever get anything better than this or, or God, like, you know, but when we focus and believe, when we have faith that Jesus says that we will have treasure in heaven if we follow him, you know, and, and give give our possessions away if he's calling us to. Wow. Wow. Can you imagine the the eternal treasure that you will gain because of that? Um, and it's simply just, again, believing God. This is how childhood upbringing can get us to either believe God because he's done it in the past or not. Um because of how we were raised. Another one, why we doubt, is comparison with others. Take a look at David and Goliath. David and Goliath. David was this young shepherd boy, and Goliath was this massive Palestinian. Uh, Yeah, I think that's it. Palestinian. And everyone doubted that David was capable of taking down this giant. But David, David didn't compare himself with others. He didn't rely on his own ability. He relied on God's ability. Um, David and Goliath. Let's see exactly what David said. Just to encourage you, there might be some some giants in your life right now. And you're like, I don't know um, how the heck I'm going to beat this giant or uh, overcome this obstacle. It almost seems impossible. And I would imagine that other people thought it was impossible for David to take down Goliath. And so let's let's read a little bit about that exchange real quick. Um, all right, I'm I'm in First Samuel seventeen, and here we are. So we're gonna start at twelve. Now David was the son of an uh, Ephrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time, he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadad, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So he was a shepherd boy, and he was also the youngest. Um... Now, going down, David, this is verse 26, David asked the men standing near him, 
What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Wow. So right then and there, he's starting to trust. He trusts the Lord. Um, who is this guy <laughs> saying we should defy God? Um, let me go down a little bit further here. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Wow, what boldness and what faith uh, David has in the Lord. He's not putting it on himself. He's putting it on the Lord. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Um, and going down a little bit further, let's see what David has to, or let's see what uh, Goliath has to say to David. And uh, Goliath says, <laughs> come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Oh my goodness. So here we have David, full of faith and believing in God's ability to take out Goliath. And David, in verse 50, triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. Now, here's where comparison is so, so important. God isn't calling us to compare ourselves with one another. This person looks mighty, grand, and bold. They have all the gifts. They have, they have everything going for them to glorify God and, and to do the Lord's work. Whether it's, you know, let's, let's just put the spot on a pastor or the spotlight on a pastor or a youth minister. Um someone who's very eloquent in speech or um, very, very, let's just say, um, confident in who they are, um, athletic, 
you know, all the things that gets us to look at people and say they are more qualified. Because we had a whole army, we had Saul even looking at David saying, you are unqualified to take on the Goliath. And these, these are the opinions of others. And the opinions of others can get us in this place of doubt of and uncertainty to believe that God can actually work in and through us to accomplish and do the will that he has set out for us. Um, and so I just want to come against that right now. Whatever whatever Goliath is, is standing in your path or whatever the Lord has called you to accomplish or to do and, and, and multiply, um, I pray that you look at God's ability and God's grace for you to go out and do what he's called you to do. Um, if you take a look at the, at, of the parable of the talents, the Lord gave one ten, the Lord gave one five, um, and the Lord gave one one. And he said, go out and, and, and multiply what I've given you. And paraphrasing again, and the one who had ten, you know, multiplied what he had. The one that had five multiplied what he had. And the one that had one, he became very fearful at losing the, the talent that the Lord gave him and he buried it. And he said, look, look, here's what I have. And he called him a wicked and lazy servant. Um, and so don't, don't compare yourself. Whatever gifts that the Lord has given one person or even how much, the Lord isn't going to judge you based on what he's given them. He's going to judge you based on what he's given you and how you've multiplied what he's given you. Um, so just, just some encouragement there. Don't compare yourself to others because God's grace is sufficient for you to do what he's called you to do. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's message on Dare to Believe God. I hope it encouraged you. Um, we're going to go ahead and finish the last portion next week. But until then, I hope you guys have a blessed Thanksgiving and time with your family. Take care.